Welcome to the Football by Football Podcast. Welcome to the Football by Football Podcast. This is Matt Chatham, your host. This is College Football Breakdown. Happy as ever to be back here with a couple of my buddies, former teammate Gray Rugemer. Rugie, what's up, buddy? Uh, not a lot, just hanging out and uh, watching nature right now. Nature is good. And Brady Quinn back with us as always. What's up, Brady? Not much watching nature. I'm over here watching this AL wildcard playing with the uh, Houston Astros and the New York Yankees. What is what is watching nature? Oh, no, that's nature. You're watching nature. The There's some nature in there. Uh, yeah, just wooden I mean, bats. That's about it. Baseball's organized rest. I can't watch it, so I got to watch things that actually move around <laughs> a little more I than every, uh, you know, three or four minutes. Uh, that's funny. All right, well, obviously I have an agenda at play here by having my buddy Gray on. Uh, this is a huge week uh, in college football. Well, really more we're, we're, pig, we're piggybacking off of what was a huge week. And Brady and I were on a week ago, and we were sort of talking about UCLA and UCLA and having some good feelings about where things were headed with them. And, you know, we kind of breezed past the Arizona State game. And it wasn't, I don't think, on a lot of people's minds as one of the biggest. It was a nice little game there on the docket. But uh, – Kind of out of left field, Arizona State comes away with one of the, the, the real big surprise victories of a week ago because they don't just beat UCLA, they beat them pretty convincingly, 38-23. to 23. So Gray is a former a Sun Devil, and, and I thought it would be interesting to have you on here and just sort of get some insight on what, what now goes on in the pack because I am completely guilty of sort of uh, breezing past Arizona State after they picked up the first couple of losses there in the first four weeks uh, and thought, you know, enough with them, moving on to the next thing. But uh, what did I miss? How were they able to sort of knock off those Bruins? Well, you know, I, I think when you look at the Pac-12, especially the South, they're Jekyll and Hyde. They're a bunch of cannibals. And you look when they play each other, you never know what you're going to get week to week. You know, USC comes in the week before and just boot stomps the Sun Devils at home. Send those turn around, go to UCLA, and you know <laughs> return the favor in Pasadena. So there's so much going on. You know Arizona State, there were high expectations early on. They lose Texas A&M. There's, you know, you never know what you're going to get, and it's su- it's such a <laughs> conundrum, if you will. Stanford's coming up. You know the Pac-12 is just such a volatile conference. You can be at the top one week, and then a couple guys don't show up, and you're right back down at the bottom. Yeah, I don't know if you uh, fellows agree with this or not, but the Pac-12 South last year, to me, was the best division in college football. People always, you know, tout the SEC hmm. West, but when it was all said and done, when you looked at the Pac-12 South and how those teams played in their bowl games and their overall records, I think you'd have to give you'd have to give it to the Pac-12 South. And this year, it seems like they're kind of in the same boat as the SEC West. Both te- both um, divisions really trying to prove themselves right now, and they're like, like you had mentioned, they're kind of, I guess, beating each other up. Uh, but uh, the surprise team is Utah, right? I mean, they they go beat Michigan at the start of the year. People are thinking, all right, Michigan's they're in a little bit of a rebuilding phase now with Harbaugh as the head coach and trying to figure things out. But no, maybe Utah is legit. I don't want to give them too much hype. I know they had a big win uh, in Eugene, beating Oregon, which was one of the preseason favorites, but. Maybe we maybe we took uh, Marcus Mariota for granted, thinking that any quarterback could just walk into that Oregon system and all of a sudden make them uh, in contention for the Pac-12. I think there's too much parity in that conference, and we probably didn't give Marcus Mariota enough credit for what he brought to Oregon for the, for the three years that he was there. And now you've got a Utah team 
that's playing great defense, and they're led by maybe one of the best running backs in the country in Devontae Booker that no one talks about. Well, it's interesting that we, that we went here because I would agree with just sort of the overall depth of the pack, but I had a little more trouble sort of sorting out if it was a north or a, a north or a south thing. A lot, I think can, there was a consensus thought that Cody Kessler could, you know, be not only a Heisman candidate, but could lead USC sort of back to the promised land. And, and as I'm watching sort of that division, Arizona's had a step back, but Arizona State after a week ago, now you're back thinking, what the hell, UCLA has looked impressive as ever until the Sun Devils stumble. Uh, and Utah, as Brady mentioned, has been just exceptional and is in sort of that top 10 kind of talk, and we'll get to that stuff later. But on the north end, I think it's really more the north that has surprised me uh, because I think I looked at the ledger at the top of the season and said, you know, this is – they are going to take a step back in the absence of Marcus Mariota. They are going to take a step back in the absence of Eric Armstead and all those other bodies they lost to the NFL. But it's a relatively weak side of the uh, side of the draw. You know, Riley leaves Oregon, Oregon State, so I don't ex- – you know, who knows where if they're just in straight rebuild mode. Uh, Washington – you know, I, Chris Peterson, best of luck, but I, I'm not sure if we're there yet to where they're going to be an adjutant. All of a sudden, out of nowhere, Cal <laughs> looks like a real ball and team. And, and Stanford is is playing better than I think anyone thought. And they had to stumble early, which I think got them off people's radar. And all of a sudden, they surged back. So I guess what I'm stuck on right now is, man, is is actually the north, the, the deeper of the two divisions. That's what's yeah. – it's crazy out there in the in the West Coast. Yeah, no, I, I would agree to a certain point, but I think the, the real valuable game this weekend is Utah-Cal. You're really going to mm. see a, you know, a Sunny Dykes team in the California Bears come out. What can they do against a hard-nosed Utah team that is playing really well right now? Offense, defense, they've kind of figured it out. And – no, Utah has to earn it. They have to earn it every week. But I think the Cal game is uh, you know, is going to be your benchmark for who in the South and who in the North. I don't know if Cal can hold up uh, against Utah's defensive line and you know, kind of what they're doing in the run game. And it's Stanford. You know, Stanford is consistent. They run a pro-style right. offense. You know, quarterback drops back. They run the ball. They had some early losses, but they're still the old Stanford where they want to hit you in the mouth and they just want to methodically drive down the field. They're sitting number 16 in the nation. You know, they play UCLA this weekend. So that's going to be interesting to see if Moore can get his team up. I mean, it's it's really interesting, you know, because you have Stanford and Cal. Then Washington, eh. Washington State, eh. Oregon, you, what, what is Mark Helfrich going to do there? Don't know. Oregon State is probably in a little bit of a rebuilding mode, although they can sneak up and beat you. You know, they, they are still a tough team with some talent and guys that are playing hard. So, you know, it's uh, that's why I like the Pac-12. But, you know, they, it's, there's so much parity, it almost does them a disservice in national rankings and playoff hopes. Yeah, you know, it's funny. We're looking at the Cal-Utah matchup this week. I mean, I, I really don't see Cal being able to come away with a win. They could put up a ton of points. But, look, the school of the blind could score on that defense. At least last year that was the case. And this year they just give up way too many points. Uh, and unfortunately, I don't think Jared Goff playing at that elevation in Salt Lake is going to be able to do enough to get them over the top. Although he, he could be the, the number one overall pick when it's all said and done next year's draft. He's that good at quarterback. And uh, I think the last team you could throw in there, you know, you know what it is in the Pac-12 North? You've just got a lot of young teams and some teams in transition. When you look at Colorado, they're getting better. You just can't tell because uh, they're, they're continually playing against, you know, some, some tough opponents in the Pac-12 North. Uh, but think about a, you know, a lot of young talent that they're, they're continuing to build up and come back from. Oregon State, same thing. Seth Collins, a quarterback, 
he's a young, you know, he's a freshman. He's, you know, trying to build into his career. And Gary Anderson's trying to set the tone there. So I think this, uh, this division will, will continue to get better as uh, the maturation process continues for all these teams and all their players as they start to get a little more seasoned. Well, you know, that being sort of the, the big win, I think, you know, one of the more surprising Arizona State knocking off UCLA, I would say number two, uh, Alabama probably having one of the more impressive performances thus far in the, in the early season. And after the way Ole Miss knocked them off, even with the mistakes that happened, I, I, I would be someone who said, OK, well, Alabama's not what I think they are. Then all of a sudden they go out and have what, what, what looked to me like one of the better performances out there. I touch on that just in this regards that your team, Brady, Brady Quinn, Notre Dame, uh, I, I, which I was a little interested today as, as things started to come out and we got into the next week after the game. They Obviously, Notre Dame gets knocked off by Clemson, a close game, 24 to 22, down in Death Valley. I was a little interested to see how, how sort of the country would react to that. And they don't seem to have, have cooled so much on Notre Dame, where it's sort of a, hey, tough win, tough – or t- excuse me, tough loss in a tough place, and they're not tumbling. So uh, we now move into the next week. What are you seeing from sort of that that group? I mean, was it a disappointment? Was it an understandable loss? Is it something that they're, you know, you would expect they may trip again? They now move against the Navy team, which I always get a little nervous about Notre Dame Navy just because of the unusual style, uh, the idea of sort of coming down off of an emotional game a week before. Yeah, no, this is the the definition of a trap game, right, Matt? Uh, I know from right. New England days, this would be what you consider that considering USC – is coming to, to is to come to South Bend in two weeks, so yeah, right. I think there there's some issues going against Navy considering the triple option, how tough that is to prepare yeah. for, and usually you don't cut block a lot, um, so that'll be tough. Like they already played Georgia Tech this year, so they they've had uh, they were able to win that game. They played so quite well, so they've got to got the game plan uh, for the most part to go up against them. Uh, but I think coming off a loss like that, I, I really feel like a lot of people are looking at that that game and saying Brian Kelly kind of messed up. You know, he did this last right. year versus Northwestern when he went mm-hmm. for two way too early in the game. And you go back to this past game, if they just kick PATs, all of a sudden it's a tie ball game going into overtime. And as bad as Notre Dame had right. played, in particular in the first half, and all those turnovers, right, four turnovers versus only one to Clemson, they were still right in that ball game. And even the play call for the last two-point conversion, a quarterback lead, it's like, come on, man. So I think people <laughs> look at them favorably because they're thinking – you know, this is maybe more there. That has the talent, the ability. Yeah, they just they just have to find a way of getting the right play calls in the right moment. Well, and oddly enough, your your uh, your your other team involved in that matchup, uh, Clemson, they now move to play Georgia Tech. So it's almost like they, you know, there was this build up for this huge game in Death Valley, two sort of big big profile schools, one from the ACC and Notre Dame coming in as possibly a playoff hopeful. Both teams step away to a little lower profile school and they're both playing triple option groups, almost as if that says trap. Like one of the two of them I, I feel might get trapped. You hope it doesn't happen, but 100%. It, you mentioned on this sort of idea that maybe there's something more there and that's why they continue to be held in okay regard. I feel like that's the entire country's sort of perception with Ohio State right now the thoughts of the of the of the national championship a year ago are still fresh enough to where they're willing to continue to give them plenty of rope because they feel like you know what they'll figure it out it's it's largely the same amount of talent Devin Smith is gone but you know Ezekiel Elliott's still there they still have the quarterback situation Barrett or Jones whoever it's going to be the defense is still tough Uh, Bosa and all those guys ah, they're they're stumbling around a little bit they'll figure it out it's almost kind of that same feel where 
you just don't know who to put ahead of them. So it's like, you know, the town, we're going to go ahead and give them credit for who we know we have, they have on their roster, who we think that they might be and figure out by the time we get to December, they'll, they'll play much better. But I feel like those are a couple teams that, that might be leaving a little bit on the bone. Um, what we're going to head to now here is sort of some of these big games that are coming up in the next week. Uh, and I, I'm interested to hear sort of your take, Gray. You, you touched on, you touched on Utah or, excuse me, Brady Quinn touched on Utah. Is there anything else sort of in that pack that sort of jumps off the screen to you? Something that'll be a little more telling as that thing shakes out. Uh, it, it was a week where some surprises happened. I thought Stanford sort of started to separate themselves. Is there a game out there, a non-Utah game, that you're going to have your eyeballs on? Uh, you know, I'm looking forward to seeing the USC-Washington game. And not for the reasons I think most people would – you know, watch it for. I'm curious to see how USC is going to respond and if they have bought in to what Steve Sarkeesian is selling. You know, all the stuff that happened at the beginning of the year, every, you know, all <clears throat> all the headlines going against this former school, the way he left. You can say there's vitriol. I, I think that's a moot point. I'm more inter- interested to see if Sark and the USC Trojans, if his players are going to get behind him and play and buy into his system. Washington is good enough to knock them off, but they haven't been consistent enough to really do much. You know, Chris Peterson is still trying to figure it out there with his system of recruiting and replacing the guys they've had. Now, Sark, much like Notre Dame, Alabama, some of the big recruiters in the country, they have talent to spare. Now it's a matter of getting that talent focused in the right direction. And I think that's any coach's problem when, you know, the the school basically recruits itself. Now can you get these guys to play for you? So I think with all the controversy surrounding uh, Sarkeesian and the Trojans, are the kids going to play for him or not? And I think this week will be really telling, you know, kind of which direction they're heading. Well, it's interesting to me because that you brought that school up because USC sits to me right in the same neighborhood of about half a dozen other schools, teams that came in with high sort of preseason regard. Ole Miss would be another one. Uh, you kind of can go right straight down the list of a lot of teams, well, even Oregon. I mean, if the the loss was so ugly that maybe it's tough to keep them in that. Michigan is a sort of flown up the board in people's minds. But there is a collection of teams that have one loss. Uh, even now Alabama, after the incredibly impressive win against Georgia, there's all these one-loss teams that look like they might still be players uh, where you're – I think there are several of these teams that are still undefeated that have just as many question marks about them Uh, on, on sort of that same kind of theme, Brady Quinn, is there, is there a game that you've kind of got your eyeballs on this weekend that you think will be sort of telling and sort of a little bit of separation here in this playoff picture? Yeah, man, it starts in the big 10 Northwestern of Michigan, you know, is that team you can, (laughs) yeah. And let me tell you something. If you like offense, don't watch this game. (laughs) Don't watch. Turn the channel. They're the top two teams in the country in scoring defense. So there's, I don't expect there are going to be a lot of points scored between the two. Uh, it's going to be a defensive battle. I think they're going to try to – each team's going to try to control the line of scrimmage, run the football. Um, but, look, I'm looking to see if which one of these teams is for real. Because, you know, you mentioned earlier um, that, you know, Stanford lost Northwestern at home to begin the season. People were kind of thinking, all right, that's an indictment on how bad the Stanford team might be this year. Well, then all of a sudden Northwestern – starts to put together a nice uh, little streak of wins, and people start saying, maybe this yeah. Northwestern team is better than we thought. Michigan, yeah. same thing, played Utah close. They lose. People start to think, oh, Michigan's got a you know, ways to go. And then all of a sudden they start thumping people, in particular Oregon State, another Pac-12 team, 
Now you're starting to think Michigan might be for real. Maybe they can contend a little <laughs> bit with Michigan State and Ohio State, especially how they're playing right now. So I'm looking to see which one of these two comes out on top, uh, which, which one of the two uh, defenses is better in the long run. Uh, I think Northwestern probably stands a better chance, not only in the matchup, but just making it to the Big Ten championship game, considering uh, I think they're in the West versus Michigan in the East, who has to play Michigan State uh, and Ohio State. Um, Ohio State, who, by the way, to me, they're, they're playing with a backup quarterback. That's their issue right now. They need to put JT Barrett back in. And then I wow, think they'll be able to actually, um, they'll yeah. actually get a little more production on offense. Uh, I'm not exactly sure why they continue to keep with this Cardell Jones experiment. Interesting. Well, I think you mentioned Michigan State just kind of pouncing off them for a second. I, I think their whole shtick is to just stay in the corner and be really quiet. I mean, they'll still linger up high in the polls because I think there's good regard for them, but they will get no buzz. Sparty will be quiet all year long, and then people will turn around and look and realize they're still undefeated or have one loss, and there'll be a tough bowl matchup for somebody. Uh, but that's just kind of the nature of things out there. And, and you, you know, you mentioned that North, Northwestern Michigan matchup. If for some reason Northwestern, who comes into the game ranked highest, uh, comes out of that thing, there's a potential matchup with the next week with Iowa, who would be, then be the leader in the West. Uh, something completely unfathomable. Those would be two your sort of cleaner records in all of all of the Big Ten. You know, a couple weeks into October, uh, you also mentioned sort of this idea of trying to reconfigure who a team is based on a loss that you thought wasn't a bad loss that turns out to be a good loss or a win that you thought was nothing that all of a sudden becomes better. To me, that's the SEC. And that, and that's really where we sit with, with the SEC where, you know what, I, I was ready to say, Oh damn, Ole Miss is great. You know, or, you know, they, they knock off Alabama. Then Ole Miss gets annihilated uh, by Florida, I believe. And then, and then Alabama who I'm ready to write off goes and beats Georgia, who we thought had been one of the more impressive SEC teams. So it's this weird sort of ancestral thing where you've got a good one, you got a bad one. And uh, none of all of them sort of cross pollinate and make you extra confused about who is who and who are any of these teams this week, Missouri has got a huge game and Missouri with your boy, uh, mock has been, pretty unimpressive on a couple occasions and all of a sudden Missouri's back in the seat to be able to do something with the with a big game you know this weekend so Brady just real quick on that sort of the situation in the SEC and just the chaos that that often is out there uh well let's try to put it in a nutshell well first off Matty Mock actually got suspended for some off the field issues so Missouri even though they're hosting Florida yeah they're 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 going to be struggling a bit. I mean this is a Missouri team by the way who beat UConn 9 to 6 at home. So that yes. doesn't bode well for a up on the rise Florida team with a quarterback in Will Greer uh who's really yeah. turned it on lately. Uh, if you've seen his progression. And then Georgia. Could they be any more disappointing year in and year out? It seems like every time <laughs> they have the opportunity to have a straight path to the SEC Championship game, they go ahead and lose to someone at home. Now don't get me wrong, give Alabama credit where credit's due, but still Grayson Lambert got exposed. They forced him to win the game and not uh, put the game on uh, Nick Chubb and Sonny Michelle. And that's what I think you're going to see uh, when, when Georgia has to play at Tennessee this week. That will be a close game. Um, you know, I think Josh Dobbs, he's struggled in his first two SEC games. I think he's only completing around 57% of his passes, averaging like 150 yards. He runs well, but look, to be a dual-threat quarterback, you have to be an effective passer as well. He just hasn't been that right. so far this year. And I think Butch Jones could be on the hot seat if they drop another one to Georgia. Uh, and then finally, you talked about Ole Miss. Uh, look, a disappointing loss. You know, clearly they look to be the best team in the SEC, but I think like the Pac-12 right now, in particular the Pac-12 South, just like the SEC West, 
you know, Ole Miss is, is still in it. They still have an opportunity. They're a very, very talented team. Uh, they play good complementary football. It's just a matter now of going together, getting your confidence back, and getting things back on the right track. This was sort of an oddball week in, in college football where there were two major stories of two big-time players, both with Leonard Fournette at LSU and Miles Jack at UCLA, a guy you've covered, Brady, uh, a guy that uh, has been out with a season-ending injury. So, well, starting first, obviously, with Jack, he makes the announcement here uh, that, you know, Morick, his head coach, comes out and sort of tells the world that uh, Jack is going to withdraw from school and you saw with a knee injury, but he's no longer going to be attending classes. He's no longer going to be a part of the program. And he's just going to start preparing himself for the NFL. Uh, sort of an unusual, unprecedented move. You don't see this too often. Usually sometimes a guy will linger and at least sort of help in house, but he's going to hire the agent and, and start preparing for the next stage. Uh, I'm not faulting him for doing it, but it is a little bit of an unusual move. So let's take these two at a time or one at a time. We'll start with sort of the Jack thing uh, with your, with you being a pack guy out there, Gray, what was your reaction to that news? And is it, I don't know, is it, is it the right call? I, I don't know. It's just such an unusual situation for a guy to make that call at this stage. Yeah. You know, to, to blow your knee out and then say, you know what, I'm done with school. I'm going to go to the NFL and I'm going to prepare you know, if you're going to make that decision, I think he's going about it the right way to kind of prepare, rehab, you know, do what he has to do to focus on it. I don't agree with it because, you know, and Brady, you know, plenty of guys that never made it in the NFL, that came out early, didn't have their education, what did they fall back on? And how long did it take them to get back on their feet? If Miles Jack and his knee, and he doesn't fully recover, let's say he's a fifth, sixth-round pick, and he doesn't pan out in the NFL, What's he going to do? And I'm not saying that's going to happen to him, but how, how are you backing your play as a smart, young, tenacious football player? But injuries knock out how many guys every year from the NFL, from college football, from high school football? You know, the, and that, that's, what, that's why I don't necessarily agree with him fully coming out. If he wants to come out early, fine. If he wants to do that, I think he's making a smart decision by trying to get as prepared as possible. But time and again, education has to play a bigger role in this. And obviously it's not. And, yeah, I mean, there's a lot of money in the game now. So I think that's kind of really pushed him towards that. Sorry, in your view, Brady, is he exposed enough? Has he shown enough? And, I mean, he's been dominant when he's been out there, but he just hasn't been out there a ton. I mean, he's been a dual threat player. He's just kind of been one of those really unique athletes in college football. Uh, maybe a guy who's, I don't know, Anthony Barr went high to the Vikings a couple of years ago. He, he may have been a first round type talent or at least back end in the, in, uh, as a linebacker. Is he still that off an injury or is, is, is this something, the decision and, and the manner that he made it something that will negatively affect him? Or is this like a girly situation where it's like, wow, there was just so much there. We'll, sort of invest in the idea that it'll still be the same guy when he comes out the other end. You know, Matt, I don't think he's quite Todd Gurley, but I think when you look at his overall ability, uh, he definitely has the chance to be not necessarily a first-round pick because you just don't see linebackers really drafted that high unless you're talking about an outside rush linebacker. And he's not really that. They actually moved him back inside this year to Will. Uh, They did a a tremendous job there. And what they they, uh, eventually moved to, because Tom Bradley, who came from Penn State, is more of, he wanted to get to a more of a four-down guy due to some of the injuries that they had, and they thought that would fit their personnel better. They actually played him at nickel. So he, is actually, he was actually the nickelback covering wide receivers downfield, right. one-on-one man-to-man coverage. I mean, this guy, he's a rare breed. He's very special. And 
and I don't want to disagree, but I think when you look at some of the rules that the NCAA has now instituted, in particular in the Power Five conferences, you know, they've now guaranteed these scholarships to these players where, yeah, it might be tough to come back and finish school, but it's too enticing right now with the money to be able to go to the NFL now and get it while you can and still be able to come back know, knowing that that scholarship is there for you and that education will be there for you once you're all said and done. And I think in, in, in Miles Jack, Jack's case, it sounds like there's an agent saying to him, look, why don't you go somewhere where you can focus on your craft, get healthy, and where I can get you the best medical treatment and the best rehabilitation where you can focus on that and not have to worry about being at school and walking around on campus and stuff to go to your treatment and so forth and be distracted where you should be training now to run that good 40, to jump high, to do all those drills and stuff. Because that's what evaluators are going to want to see, how much explosion, how much pop he has back coming off this injury. And, and you've got to be worried sometimes with some of those explosive guys when they suffer a, a torn ACL or a blown-out knee, do they ha- still have that pop to them? So that's where I actually like the decision that he's making. And uh, I don't think it's going to affect him that much as far as people evaluating him, whether or not you know, he was a good leader or a team guy and all that. I think he understands there's a business to all this, and he's doing what's best for him. Okay, so on the flip side of that then, with the Leonard Fournette, obviously Fournette's been this guy who's had some – I don't know, like Herschel Walker type moments, like uh, combining Herschel Walker and maybe like Christian Okoye, like he's been running around people, through people, over people. He just has had some of the more, you know, averaging over 200-ish yards a game for his stretch of several games here. It's just, it's been one of the more impressive short-term performances by a running back. And it it drummed up this idea, and Brady wrote about it. Uh, Excuse me, Brady Brady Penga wrote about it this week on the website, uh, talking about, this idea that got floated that, hey, should he just not should he just sit out next year because he won't be eligible until 2017? Has, he, has his ceiling already been hit? Uh, could he be this first player who, you know, rather than just simply insure yourself and play out the string, go ahead and take the time off and just take it off the table, potentially leveraging the NFL to maybe allow the rules to be a little more flexible or something along those lines? I'm not sure. I, I think that might just be more talk fodder in the middle of a long season. Uh, but it did bring up an interesting idea uh, to you, Gray, is is the idea of a player, you know, you play three, four, five good games and you happen to play one of those positions that's a little bit dangerous and, you know, they look at you kind of cross-eyed if you've got a lot of mileage as a back anymore. Are we going to maybe now see situations where a player says, yep, right my hands, I've proven what I got to prove, now I'm going to go sit and wait till the league lets me in and they'll take me. Uh, did you think that's plausible or is this um, just, you know, us media heads talking about stuff that probably won't happen? No, I, I think some people think it's plausible. I think uh, those kids are doing themselves a huge disservice because it's not just about running, running through people. It's not just about a 40 yard dash, especially if you're a running back, how are you in blitz pickup? What happens when, you know, you hit a little right. adversity. Some of these young guys, we don't know how they're going to respond when they go against athletes as good or better than them. You know, he's facing good competition in the SEC, but we all know when you get in the NFL, there's big dudes that can run just like you. And he is a special athlete, don't get me wrong. But I think you need to build a book of knowledge, number one, and experience, so that when you see something new, how do you adapt to it? And can I trust that you're going to be mature enough to adapt to it every time? If I'm going to pay you a ton of money, you know, I, I want to know your work history. I want to see a good resume. I don't want to see you that, you know, that you're making double doubles at in and out faster than anyone else for a month. 
You know, that's not right. a resume to me. Show, show me that you can run a business. You can run hard. You can pick up blitzes. You're a team player. Give me all the information I need. Let me make sure that you're the mature individual that I want on my team that I don't have to micromanage and worry about off the field. Now, he hasn't given anyone any reason not to believe that, but right. if I'm hiring, I, I want a little more work history. Fair enough. Yeah, I, Brady, I, can, tell you, I can tell you this much. Um, you know, people always talk about him foregoing this year and all this stuff. One, he's discounting the fact that this young man went to LSU – I assume to win a national championship. I assume to win the Joe Walker, the Heisman Trophy, all that stuff. So to not play next year, obviously he's not allowing himself the opportunity to, to make history. And I think the competitor in every athlete always trumps uh, whatever other financial uh, decision we want to make. We just saw this in the NFL with Cam Chancellor. He's holding out for more money. Well, guess what? He couldn't handle watching his team lose. He comes back, right. and if I'm not mistaken, they've won the last two games. I think Leonard Fournette's the same type of guy when he was asked about it. He said, no, I've never said anything about, you know, sitting out next year. You know, he fully right. wants to go in and play and, and it'd be a beast. The other thing is the, the insurance policy. He's going to get an insurance policy. And whether right. that's right or wrong and, and how that ends up paying out, I, I think it, it, it should be recognized that Ifo Ekpreolomu, the cornerback for Oregon, he was a six-round draft pick to the Cleveland Browns, and he actually had one of these policies on his knee. Luckily enough, he tore his ACL, unfortunately or fortunately, but he was actually the first guy to be paid. He was actually going to be paid based on uh, that insurance policy. So I think that actually will, will kind of create some waves and then obviously force Fournette to take out a policy, uh, which will then allow right. him to kind of play and be worry-free, knowing that if he does have an injury, he's still at least going to be compensated. The difference of what he would have made had he been um, you know, injured and not being a first-round pick or a top-ten pick or whatever they end up deciding. So I think that's the other issue with all this. is He'll be able to play. He'll take out insurance policy, and he'll be fine. I thought as much. And it's interesting to hear players sort of say this because it's easy to get caught up in the moment. You catch a nice uh, YouTube video of three or four weeks of unprecedented stats and you get a quote from a former NFL you know, executive and all of a sudden we're off and running the kids out of school the next year. And it's like, well, well wait a minute, wait a minute. Uh, that, that's not going to happen, <laughs> most likely. But uh, such is the bubble. So, anyway, uh, that's all we've got for this week. So, thanks so much, you guys. Awesome stuff, as always. That'd be good. Appreciate it. Brady, take care. Always a pleasure, guys. Thanks so much for listening to the Football by Football podcast and the College Football Breakdown. As always, the FBF podcast can be found for streaming or download on footballbyfootball.com or blogtalkradio.com. You can download the FBF podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, and on the TuneIn Radio app. For daily insightful stuff like guys like Brady and Gray and many others, make sure to check out the footballbyfootball.com Facebook page or give us a follow on Twitter at FB by FB. See you next time. Thanks for listening to the Football by Football podcast. Football insight by football players. Hi, Lucky. Hi, Dusty. Good night, Ned. Good night, Ned. Good night, Ned.